How do you maintain a healthy work-life play balance here at the University of Utah School of Medicine? What's life like for a second year preparing to take the boards? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Got a great guest today. I've got Liz, a current second year medical student. Hello, Liz. Hi, Dr. Chan. So, uh... How is second year going? What's uh, what's your class right now? What's life like? Second year is coming to a close right now. So it's been um, a long journey for us, uh, but we're on our second to last unit and our last sort of real substantial unit. It's called skin, muscle, bone, and joint. And we do a lot of musculoskeletal stuff and then a little dermatology thrown in there. So we have six weeks of that. I just got off of a three-day sort of pseudo spring break mm-hmm. and... Then at the end of that, we just have two more weeks, and then we're off to study for boards. Let's talk about the journey so far. So it's your second year, um, a lot of knowledge condensed into a short amount of time, and now you kind of have to recreate that knowledge for step one, our national boards, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how's the board studying going on? Going. So I think a lot of my classmates started studying when we got back from Christmas break, sort of gradually started studying in January. Mm -hmm. There's always some people in med school classes that start things before that. Um, But I think most people started thinking about boards for real in January and started sort of doing questions that had to do with what we were studying. And now people are picking up the pace a little and trying to review material from other blocks um, that we've studied before before now. And um, I think... The thing about board studying is that everyone does it differently. Mm -hmm. So some people are in full boards mode, and um, I'm probably more of the, I'm going to go to class and focus on classwork and do some board studying on the side. So what does the dean's office, because I get asked a lot, but what does the dean's office help to do board preparation? So what does the dean's office do to help? Well, one um, member of the dean's office, Rob Rainey, who does a lot of the tutoring Mm -hmm. and tutor facilitating, peer tutoring that happens here at the U is very knowledgeable about boards, and we as medical students know nothing that isn't six months away, Mm -hmm. um, and has been very helpful telling us sort of what to prepare. And the dean's office has coordinated some practice test vouchers Mm -hmm. that we get and have brought in some fourth years to help um, teach classes and walk us through what question types are. And I think there's more and more of an emphasis in our later blocks Mm -hmm. about this is how you will get tested in this unit, but this is also the type of questions you'll see in boards. So mm-hmm. I think the dean's office has helped integrate boards preparation into the curriculum as well. That's excellent. So going back to the fourth year, do they still call themselves the board slayers? Yes, they do call themselves the board slayers. So I think this is a current fourth year specific mm-hmm. uh, nickname that they have taken. I'm not sure that next year's fourth years mm-hmm. will really call themselves the board slayers, but we get great great emails about slaying the boards and mm-hmm. how to slay the boards. And, and these are fourth years who did exceptionally well in step one. And they come back and teach the second years study techniques or mnemonics or, or things that just help them get through the boards. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they teach a class about once a week and they do it twice a week so that everyone can try and get to it. Okay. And sort of do a little bit of teaching review on a subject and then do some questions. And yeah, mm-hmm. there are people who have done really well on the boards and also tend to be really good teachers. Okay. So that's a nice balance. You wouldn't want someone who can sit up there and say, well, this is the right answer, mm-hmm. but I don't know how I got there. Um, <laughs> so they tend to do a good job. They'll ask us what we want to learn about on any given week or they'll pick something that's high yield. Um, 
So yeah, it's great. It's just nice to have resources and peer resources to tell you what to expect. Excellent. And then the dean's office, and sounds like Rob Rainey, we kind of coordinate review series as well. Don't they bring back certain professors just to go over material? Or so I yeah. actually think that some of those review series are planned by the second year class presidents. Oh, okay. Um, of who which are I the- am one. <laughs> who are these second year class presidents? So my friend Matt and I are okay. um, the current second year class presidents. And I think we contact certain faculty members who have done this in the past to sort of do a lightning speed review over dinner sometime. So what's the most popular, I mean, what's the lectures that the students want to have brought back? Who's, who are the people they want to hear from? Well, um, the biggest fan favorite is probably Dr. Renner, Mm -hmm. who was our neurology professor who's actually, or faculty member, who's actually going away for a year. Mm -hmm. Taking um, a brief sabbatical. On a fellowship. So Mm -hmm. hopefully he comes back. Uh, and he's wonderful and just, I think we all learned neurology, um, so much better than we ever could have thought possible. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other super popular teachers. We really Dr. Morton our, in anatomy or Dr. Morton in anatomy. That's okay. a good, good reminder. Okay. We just started, he's our anatomy teacher during our first year. And then he's one of our unit directors for mm-hmm. this year. Um, this unit that we just started. So we're all pretty excited to have Dr. Morton back and our unit directors for our last unit. Uh, Dr. Rudder, who's mm-hmm. a biochemistry PhD, okay. and then Dr. Laura Sells, um, mm-hmm. who's an emergency med doc in pediatrics, did the unit directing for metabolism and reproduction, and they're really wonderful. Um, Dr. Rudder explains uh, all about lipid synthesis and biosynthesis and all of the fancy lipid things better than just about anyone we've met. So there sounds like there's a lot going on. So let's take a step back. What's, what's life like a second year? Like I always, I make jokes when I, when the applicants come in and interview, I kind of go over the schedule and kind of talk about how the first years have class um, in the, in the afternoons. Um, and as a consequence of that, they can stay up late and sleep in. But however, when you're second year, you only have, you have class in the morning. And yeah. that staying up late and sleeping goes away. Would you agree with that assessment, Liz? That's a very accurate assessment, Dr. Chan. Maybe you've heard me tell first years about how I was one of the first years who loved to just, I got on a completely different sleep schedule. So I went to bed at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. every night and then would sleep in. And that was awesome. So this year we have class from 8 to noon every day, which is a little bit more of a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. But it actually makes your day a lot more productive because as soon as you're done at noon, you're done for the day. We do still have clinic in the afternoon, so we still have clinical experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but and that's the SCE, correct? The yeah, specialty so we have clinical experience. Specialty clinical experiences. And I think the first years um, just started a new clinical medicine curriculum mm-hmm. that they have afternoon class on Wednesdays, at least currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I think, have really appreciated and liked that. And we have primary care clinical experiences that we do as well. Um, But in general, at noon, I'm free to go to lunchtime talks that I want to. And then I usually spend about four hours studying in the library in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. um, in and amongst meetings. And then, you know, go grab dinner and and do some more studying. I think second-year medical students study a lot. We look back on first year and um, didn't know how lucky we were, mm-hmm. but in a positive way, we're excited about it. The material is only getting more and more relevant and you are gaining clinical knowledge. So I think the most, the most sort of mind boggling thing is to think about what we didn't know at the beginning of second year. And now almost anyone can walk up to me and tell me a chief complaint and I can put together a differential because we've covered almost all of the different units. Mm-hmm. So that's what I feel like the big difference has been 
in, in our second year, but we do work a lot. I've definitely found a lot of time to go skiing this winter, which has been nice. It's easier to ski as a second year because you have a whole afternoon to go skiing instead mm. of lifts opening at nine and having to be back by one. Mm-hmm. And so let's go back and talk about step one. So for those of the people that don't know, step one, also known as national boards, this is one of three steps. You know, step two, you take during your fourth year. Step three, you take during your intern year. And it's arguably step one is one of the more important tests, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, based on your score and, you know, just the strength of your overall residency applications kind of determines what kind of field you can go into Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. Um, so how, how did you set that up? I mean, like, how does one step set up step one? I, I know they, there are these times that you have to pick from. How, how do you, how'd you go about doing that, Liz? Yeah. So we finish school about early May mm-hmm. and then we don't have to start third year until the end of June. And I've heard from other students at the U that you want to study for about six weeks. You want to give yourself a good six weeks of just study time. So that's like studying all day, mm-hmm. um, and then that gives you like two weeks for a vacation. So again, Rob Rainey and the Office of Professionalism sent us a great email with instructions about how to register and what to do. And there are three uh, three month blocks that you can sign up to take the test during and you sort of pay your fee and then you can sign up to take it during any of those dates. So I think the recommended date for us was June 1st to the end of August. Um, but some students definitely signed up for an earlier block thinking that maybe they would be ready to take it at the end of May. Um, and then you pick a date. So I'm currently June 15th. I know everyone think of Liz on June 15th. I know exactly when I'll be doing that, Yeah, but you can move that date around. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you can move it around up to five or seven days before that without paying a fee. So if I'm taking practice tests and not doing as well as I want to do, then I can push it back a week. Um, Mm -hmm. Or if I am taking practice tests and really peaking and feel like I'm happy with the score that I'm getting, then I can push it up and take it sooner. And it sounds like it's an eight, nine hour test, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's eight hours of testing Mm -hmm. with some breaks in the middle. Mm -hmm. And we do it at standardized testing centers, one of which is up here at the U. Um, And we also have the opportunity to take practice tests in that setting. So you can sign up to take a practice test at at this place and Mm -hmm. sort of go through what that is because it is a very important test and you don't really want to have to take it more than once i don't think that's something that looks very good on a residency application you mentioned like you know third year third year's coming up Mm -hmm. how did how did the second years choose their third year rotations here what the what is the system like so the first thing they tell us is that everyone always comes back and says it doesn't matter the order that you did rotations Mm -hmm. but on the other hand there are (laughs) um there are definitely some not keys, but you sort of, if you know what you want to do, you probably want to put that in the middle of your year because you're not going to be too burned out. Mm-hmm. Not that we would admit that medical students get burned out, but um, we might. Uh, you don't want to be too burned out, but you also want to not be completely green. I think we it's reasonable to think that we don't really know as much as we think we know, and the first couple of weeks on any rotation could be a little more rough. So if you think you're going to be a surgeon, you don't want to do surgery first because the attendings are going to think, who is this noob who doesn't know what they're doing? Mm -hmm. Um, So instead, people think about putting things that they want to do sort of starting at the third block. We have eight total blocks in our third year Mm -hmm. and maybe through six. Um, And then beyond that, I think, you know, we have a four-week neurology block instead of most of our blocks are six weeks. So you get a two-week vacation in there. Um, But I don't know. I, to be honest, did not super hardcore plan my schedule. Mm -hmm. Others were very particular and really wanted to have OB-GYN before they had surgery and wanted to have 
internal med before they had peds and were very mm-hmm. particular about things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's up to everyone. And one of the women who works in the dean's office helps and works with students individually and makes all of these appointments so that if people have strong opinions, they can get those organized. Mm-hmm. So if I was, let's pretend I'm interested in being a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I really wanted to do surgery at like the VA versus the University of Utah, would I be able to determine that as a second year when I get my schedule or is that determined later on or how does that work? Yeah. So it's sort of two phases. So we get our block assignments through the mm-hmm. lottery okay. and then within each clerkship, so each surgery or neuro, we call those clerkships, within each clerkship, there's someone assigned, whether it's a student or a clerkship program director, to help assign you to those specific rotations that you're going to do on that. Mm -hmm. And we know those for some of them. For example, right now, I know that um, I know what my PEDS schedule will look like, but I don't know what my internal medicine schedule will look like. And there's definitely ways to request it. There's no guarantee you're going to get it. Uh, some people really wanted to do transplant surgery because they've heard, you know, the attendings here are wonderful. You do see really awesome cases, but not everyone who wanted to do your transplant mm-hmm. got it. Um, but I think, you know, you're not going to get what you want all the time, but you're also not going to, you know, sort of get randomly assigned to things every time either. Okay. Um, all right. Now, my time travel question. Okay. All right, all right Liz, like your second year of medical school. Let's mm-hmm. go back two years. Mm-hmm. What? What do you wish you would have known back then about medical school? What was the biggest surprise to you? Before I started school. Before you started school. Well, I think I knew that I was going to work a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I would have tried to start from day one trying to find a work or a school life balance. Mm -hmm. I think it can be overwhelming when you start because it is a lot of material. I hadn't taken anatomy coming in. And we start with a lot of anatomy. So it was a little bit harder for me than some of my classmates. Um, And it's totally easy to just study all the time because there's sort of no end of material that you could study. But I think we live a much healthier life. And I found at least amongst my peers, we're all a lot happier if we're making time to do things other than school. Because you definitely have time to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, school is pass fail. And that's takes a load off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, I think you can focus better on school if you've done something other than school that day as well. Mm-hmm. So really walking in and saying, how am I going to make sure that there's time for me in addition to, to school? And then the other thing, I think all of the faculty we work with are really wonderful and want to reach out to students. And there are a lot of opportunities that you can do, but you have to be a little bit uh, self-motivated to go get them. Mm-hmm. And um, you can approach any faculty member here and say, hey, can I have a meeting with you and like sit and chat about my future? And uh, can I do research with you? And they will definitely be happy to happy to sit down with students, but they're not going to reach out to you to do that. So to sort of be outgoing and shadow a lot of people from the beginning, shadowing is something I wished I'd done more as a uh, first year medical student. We, as third years, don't actually get to see all of the different fields that we could match into. And so then by the end of your third year, you kind of want to know what you're going to want to go into based on when you're starting to do residency applications. So it would be nice if you thought you might be interested in radiology or pathology or anesthesiology, some of these sort of less traditional clerkships, Mm -hmm. to get to shadow and interact with physicians in that field beforehand so that you would know whether or not that's something you would want to go into. Mm I like how you mentioned the work-life play balance because I think that's something that physicians, medical students, you know, no matter where you are in the journey, you struggle with. Yeah. Because it's, you know, I think it's really hard because, you know, you have a lot to study. There's a lot of things to do. 
And then when you become a full-fledged doctor, after you get that MD in two short years, Liz, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to have a lot of more demands on your time. You know, people, you know, there's the always, you know, to do research, more administrative type activities. You always can open up your clinic more. I'm, I'm just amazed by the amount of people that contact me and say, oh, you know, so-and-so is sick. So-and-so is uh, really struggling. Do you have room in your clinic? Yeah. Those kind of things. I think that's something that all physicians struggle with. And I think it's good to kind of try to learn that at the beginning during your med school days. Yeah. yeah. And that's definitely it was something I was talking with people last weekend even you know, if I can't figure out how to do laundry as a medical student, how am I going to do it as a fourth year medical student? Mm-hmm. And if I can't do laundry as a medical student, how am I ever going to do it as a resident or an attending? Mm-hmm. So I think trying to make good habits early is important. Yeah, very true. Um, and let's talk about that trip. You, you were down in southern Utah, correct? Yeah. What, what, what project were you doing? So um, we were down in Moab, which is in southeastern Utah, mm-hmm. on something called UROP, which is Utah Rural Outreach Program. Mm-hmm. It's a student-run but school-sponsored outreach program where we go into high schools all around the state of Utah mm-hmm. and spend uh, some amount of time. We ended up being there a whole morning teaching high schoolers sort of about what medical school is like. And we bring um, we brought cow hearts yesterday, so you bring dissections and get them excited about the sciences in school. But also just to sit there and tell people, you might be in a small town in Utah, but you can still... You can still go to Salt Lake City mm-hmm. for medical school, and you can do anything in the healthcare profession that you want to do, and college is a gateway to that, and that's an important first step for them. Um, so it was really rewarding. It was our in-between break, sort of, like I said, pseudo-spring break. Um, so we went down there yesterday because they were in school, but I also got to spend the weekend down in Moab on my own sort of play trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Going was back to an, work-life play balance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. a nice combo. So we were able to spend the weekend doing fun things and then had actually a wonderful morning mm-hmm. yesterday meeting with high school students from Grand. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's part of our Office of Inclusion Outreach, those mm-hmm. type of projects. And I think the goal is is to inspire the next generation of students. And the way I kind of talk to people about this is, you know, it does... You know, it's just to get, like, students interested in the health sciences. I mean, the goal is not to make everyone at Grand High School, you know, want to become doctors necessarily. Mm-hmm. There's also pharmacy school, nursing school, things like that. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, like, they've never really met medical students before. And medical school seems to be this distant, uh, out there, pro- you know, like, th- something that just they can never obtain. And so I think it's good to have, you know, students who are – we're young, we're vibrant, we're full of life, just to go down there and kind of let them know that, hey, this is definitely possible. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was great. I think we pitched pretty hard the idea that healthcare is such a team player mm-hmm. um, sport these days. And so if they're interested in being a part of the healthcare world, they can get at it from so many different angles. And I think they knew... A lot of the, we sort of said, you know, what types of health professions are there? And they knew a lot of them already. So it was nice that they had heard of them. But I think great to also encourage them that they they could do that. I think we had one high schooler tell us while we were dissecting a heart, this is a dream come true. And that is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to feel like you've inspired people. And I think we are pretty nerdy. Medical students inherently have a certain nerd edge to them. But I think it can be nice to to have high schoolers who are excited about the sciences to see that there are people in their 20s that are just as excited about the sciences and think mm-hmm. what they're doing is pretty sweet. Yeah, very true. 
Well, Liz, I appreciate you making time in your busy schedule because it's the afternoon and you would be studying the library, <laughs> right? So um, I wish the very best to you. I hope step one goes well. Thanks, Dr. Chan. It was great talking and I'll to you. And I'll try to track you down next year during your third year for an update for the podcast. All Perfect. Right? All Sounds right. great. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.